This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calm. Everything going to be all right? <laughs> Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Some escape. I'll give it a B. B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Here we go, 23rd of January. It's another edition of the Skate Pod. Heading towards Sunday Skate, which will be live Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. on February 9th. And next week, we're going to have our good buddy Pete Blackburn in for the podcast to uh, we let him in. It. Yeah, we're going to launch it that we way. We might even move his head out from behind the logo of the Skate Pod Twitter <laughs> feed, you know. Maybe, maybe we'll like remove the logo and uh, unveil him. You, know, you get half billing, you're only on half the half the year, so that's what you get in the picture, half half appearances. But meanwhile, until skate until Sunday Skate's return, you can not only listen to this podcast, but you can go back in our archives, plenty of great interviews, plenty mm-hmm. of great Bruins talk. Um our our uh, a rant about the Bruins' lack of toughness uh, inspired them for one game totally. to beat up the Penguins, and then the next game they went right back to being a bunch of pussycats. Well, they were good early. It's <laughs> a good start. You can subscribe to us, of course, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Search for Skate Pod. Or just go on WI.com and give us you know more bang for our buck. The more clicks you have on that website, the better. And we thank Red River, our proud sponsor of uh, the Skate Podcast. Charlie McAvoy was almost traded. <laughs> That's, uh, that's theoretically would, by that's some what, in the media. That's what you would believe on Twitter on uh, on on Sunday night after you know the guy the guy had an off night and got stripped by Evgeny Malkin, future Hall of Famer, on a goal. And next thing you know, the the, the scouting world is claiming that the Bruins are shopping <laughs> Charlie McAvoy. Did you get those uh, texts from scouts? Oh, of or course, no? everybody did. I mean, it was like burning up the the Twitter world that uh, Charlie McAvoy was being traded for a bag of pucks, and, and he was taking Chara with him. I think because according to Twitter, you know, Chara is uh, holding Charlie McAvoy back. But then there's also the other side that says Charlie McAvoy just isn't that good. He's 22 years old, playing number one defense minutes. He's not a defensive role. Yeah, he's not your defensive. He's not your number one defenseman right now. He's your potential, and we've seen it. It was just a week earlier against the Islanders, where I was comparing him to Dennis Pot fan because I'm I'm never one for hyperbole. Of course, everyone who listens to this or reads me knows I never would go out on a limb like that. But nonetheless, we've seen the potential. We know how great he can be, should be. Even if he's a number two defenseman in his career, it's a hell of a draft pick. It's a hell of a career to have. And the Bruins are not trading this guy. Wait a minute. You're disputing this report? They're not trading him? Who McAvoy? are they trading him for? Tyler Toffoli? Chris Kreider. They have too many uh, local guys. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It's it's lunacy. And then, But, you know, it's funny. Bruins beat Vegas, right? McAvoy has a better game. Everybody pretty much has a better game. Where are the trade rumors? They die down? Oh, it's like, it's like it goes like the wind. Now, you will admit... Zero goals is zero goals. It's a little zero surprising. Zero goals is like Matt, you know, it's, 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 it's reminiscent of Matt Bartkowski, who never scored a goal in the regular season as a Bruin, but scored a huge goal in Game 7 against Toronto in 2013. So maybe Charlie McAvoy's saving it for the postseason. How does he not have a goal? How, well, I mean, how is it possible? I'd say for about two-thirds of this part of the season, he wasn't shooting enough. Now he's shooting more. And now the bounces just aren't going his way. It's pretty crazy. I mean, he doesn't really get a lot of power play time, right? I mean, he's on the second group, and there's, it's not really a lot of plays that are developed that are designed for him to get his shot. He but does get some power play. He's time. getting I mean, he's getting more aggressive, and he has seventy one shots, zero goals. 
Okay, over under. Oh, for seventy one. Over under, he gets five goals this season. Under. I say, I say over. Five goals in the last thirty one games. He's gonna finish with five goals. Exactly five goals. Pasternak over under uh, sixty. Uh, well, I would say he'd get sixty. I, I think I'm uh, really he... twenty three goals in the last. Thirty-one. That I mean, that ain't happening. He needs. He needs the pot. He, if he, he stops passing up those empty netters, uh-huh. yeah, I know. David Pasternak. I care more about his Richard Trophy than he does. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Special guest this week is Colby Cohen. Yep, you may recognize that name. He was not a Bruins draft pick, but he was a Bruin in the 2011 uh, Cup season. He you was. covered he him as a, a black ace. He was a black ace and uh, a BU superstar. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he works down in Philly. NBC Sports flyers. Philadelphia, studio analyst, also a lot college of, hockey. Does a lot of college hockey, and uh, he has some good insights on Charlie McAvoy. He was there once before. He was a promising prospect, a guy uh, Colorado had high hopes for, and um, then came here from Matt Hunwick, and, you know, careers take different paths. <laughs> ended up in, we played three years with uh, Providence, and then uh, ended up in Europe before heading to the media route. I insulted his uh, hometown of Philadelphia, too, at the end of the interview, <laughs> so stick around for that. Uh, he was the 45th pick of the 2007 draft, so a pretty high pick. Pretty good, yeah. Good player. I think he has got, he'll have some insight on McAvoy. And, and Bruce Cassidy. Uh, yeah, no no surprise. He defends McAvoy, uh, as you would expect a BU guy to do. Now, this was a big week since we last spoke. The end of the Brett Ritchie and the end of the David Backus <laughs> era. not the end of the Brett Ritchie era. You might see him back here. If well, you he, might see Backus back here at some point. I don't think you'll see Backus back here because I don't. I don't. I think. Well, Elliot Freeman just tweeted as yeah. we're, as we're uh, he's not retiring. So take that up. Op- he's not retiring, list. but wouldn't you see this as the first steps toward a, a trade? Either Ilya Kovalchuk type termination. So they buy him out. They because if this guy is so proud that he won't retire, and let's face it, the Bruins have covered their rear ends here very well. I don't know if Bruce Cassidy was speaking off the cuff or was scripted by Don Sweeney to do this, but the whole point, in his he made a point in his explanation for Bacchus's cut being released was he tried to play a physical role for this team last year. It, it's, it's, it's a tough situation when a guy could be one hit away from his, you know, not just career, but his wife and kid's life being ruined. And he basically, without saying it, said, I don't want to put him in the lineup. To play that role with but his did, help, but didn't so, Bacchus's medical experts say? Well, that's he, just it. He's not in danger then. Exactly. So this is where it says, okay, you know what? You want to believe your experts, and we don't know where he gets these experts from, right? You can find anybody. You can find any doctor to say anything, probably for the right price. This is the the point to say you don't want to. You want to believe your experts, and you don't want. And but you still want to play hockey. It ain't going to be here. It's going to be in Providence or somewhere else. Do you want to? Get cut loose. He's got a year left on the deal. He's got so a year left on the deal. He would have to show up in Providence for a year and a half. I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> well, Kovalchuk did too, right? Um, yeah, yes, right. he did. But so, not, not at this, not at that, rate. not at that rate. But pretty. But he was steep. And uh, you know what? You got to make a trade. I mean, I don't know if the player association would allow him to do that. I mean, if you do that twice in the same season, what is the point of a player association if we're going to start terminating all these, you know, guaranteed contracts? But. And it's a lot of money to leave on the table, like you're saying. I mean, it's it is you know, to this, well, it's a six million cap hit. I'm not sure what the cash is on that at this point. But uh, if you want to play somewhere and you really think someone's going to give you a shot, I mean, this isn't a Kovalchuk where anyone's. I mean, is anyone really kicking the tires on this guy from what they've I, seen? I can't imagine that. I mean, it's, it would it would still be a Marlowe deal where they'd have to trade him and trade a high pick to get rid of him. Well, unless so. it was like I said, if there's termination, he becomes a UFA. But yeah, but it's really sad to think that this guy has these delusions of grandeur. But 
if all you saw of him was the last game he played, I think was the New Jersey game, or did he play one after that? But I mean, he could barely stand up on his skates. <laughs> I mean, but if he even if he grinds it out and plays the last thirty games or whatever in Providence, yeah. and then makes it to next year, he gets a bonus. He gets a million well, dollar year, signing bonus. Yeah, and next year you can buy him out, and it's it's, it's more it's, palatable. Yeah, I think that's probably the way it's going to go. I mean, and then somebody's pointed out on Twitter that if he gets hurt in Providence, you can't buy him out. But if he gets hurt in Providence, you can put him on LTIR. Mm. And you know, but does he really want to hang around like that? I don't know. I mean, what but do you they, want to do? You know, I mean, they did. Him, I don't say they did him a favor. They didn't. But they they, they did it over the breaks. He's got a long time to. Sit oh, and, and they and they it. waited so long. Well, they right? did. Well, I mean, they kind of waited as long as they really could. Oh, I, mean, I thought you were joking about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they, absolutely. It's like could have done they, it in the summer. I mean, they, exactly. They gave him so much of a chance here. I mean, and it didn't. And it didn't cost them. The standings say it didn't cost them. Now maybe and, you'd and argue that, that they gave. You know what? Too, they gave him a, a fair shot, and and he got another concussion. So it's like. Hello. <laughs> what though? If you had replaced Bacchus with a shootout specialist, the best oh shootout guy in the league, whatever he, what I just for a million bucks, didn't play him in the games, just had a breakaway <laughs> specialist, you would have like ten points. You have at least three or no, four. Five, but what? Fine. They're zero yeah. six in shootouts. Zero and seven. Uh, and Marshan's zero and seven. <laughs> so from that standpoint, they blew it. They they screwed up. But. Although Such maybe Backus is a Backus is a shootout specialist because he scored a, he scored a clincher last year. He's one of the rare guys on this team. It's the last guy to score, a, I think. I yeah. think so. <laughs> well, here they are, twenty nine, ten, and twelve. Uh, Tampa will have a couple games next week, and they have three in hand. So the eight point cushion is not that severe, and Tampa is starting to roll. We have uh, you know seen that coming, but in just in general, what do you think the uh, state of the bees is here before we bring Colby on, and we'll have, we'll talk to Pete about well, this in more depth next. You week. know the the the, the um. The reaction to the action of the Bacchus and Richie thing is the addition of Bleed, the addition of Coleman, mm-hmm. and, and even Lausanne on the back end, which is a good sign to see that they're not married to John Moore just because he's got this contract extension. You have to earn your playing time, and frankly, this is what this team has been missing is competition and, and guys pushing people. And now Krejci was a late add to the last game, but juggling the lines – up a little bit, yeah. Which is, I mean, they didn't break up the top line, which is hell right. I, I, but still, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to see that uh, Bruce finally did that. I mean, the DeBrus Krejci marriage isn't nearly as productive as it, as the top line has been. So, yeah. what is the problem with breaking that up now? Clearly, it would be a two a, a line two A two B situation here. It wouldn't be a third line, but that's the way they play. If they're playing their best hockey and rolling the lines, then everyone's going to get a shot here. And clearly, he could in- easily switch them if if things aren't going well in the games like he likes to do. I mean, it, it made a lot of sense to do it that way, and maybe it helps, you know, Krejci to kind of get re- re- reset his game and not just rely on Jake's speed, but to look f- to get try to get Coleman and Heinen going. And maybe between Heinen and Krejci, one of them can get the other one to actually shoot the puck. You know, <laughs> and I've got a soft spot for Coleman. I mean, every time he's in there, yeah. I mean, it's been a while, but I, I mean, I don't know. They they need a, a version of him. With just a little bit better finish. Well, exactly. That's why he's right now. He's a, he's a third or fourth line right wing. Uh, maybe on a great team, he replaces a Wagner and becomes that fourth line right wing. If he can pick up his defensive game, you know, he still obviously has ways, you know, some two way game to to improve on. But uh, on this team, he could be a your third line grinding right wing who gets you know who pots some goals here and there, but mostly just you know clears things up on the forecheck and, and sets up things. I know they've blown games and they've been a little frustrating, but I, I like the team. I mean, I, I think and they will make a move. Don's not going to not make a move. I'm confident of that. I just so, I just don't like, I mean... The physicality is still not, an issue. I'm not going to lean on this forward thing as much as the defense. I know people would probably think I'm crazy, but I'm more worried about the defense. I'm more worried about 
uh, Chara and McAvoy and not being able to juggle things to like split them up if it's not working as as a shutdown pair. Mm-hmm. You know, if if in a perfect world you could play Chara and Carlo together and maybe McAvoy and, and, and Krug or McAvoy and Grizzlick, but I don't really like those matchups against most of the good teams. I wouldn't want that lineup against you know Pittsburgh or Washington or even even Vegas that we saw. I mean, you know, Vegas had certainly had had its chances in that game, and um, I want. I want to. Oh, I want to. It doesn't help talk, that Moore has been benched and Grizzlick's having some struggles. You talk it. about a Coleman with more finish. I want a John Moore with yeah, some bite. Yeah, well. So whether that's Brendan Dillon from San Jose, or you know maybe if it's a more of a Sammy Vatanen kind of guy, I want a guy more more than six foot who's going to throw his weight around a little bit and maybe doesn't play every game. Maybe against lighter teams, John Moore gets in there. You don't need to have him. You know Adam McQuaid. Would go in and out of the lineup after you know once obviously 2011 he's a regular but in the years following he would come out sometimes based on the matches maybe Grizzlick isn't isn't a four times a week player you know the the the, the, the um, schedule is going to pick up he gets worn down obviously he takes so much of a of a hit he 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 really needs to be more elusive the way Tory Krug is uh, and not get beat up as much as he does or maybe just be more of the initiator the way Tory Krug is oftentimes but. Uh, if he's going to get worn down, maybe he needs to play two out of every three or three out of every four. It's and and base it on matchups or base it on on workload. But the defense core is still a worrisome. Well, it shouldn't be because Kevin Paul Dupont has declared they'll play the Leafs again in round one. He declared that over the weekend. I tweeted that out, and uh, therefore you're matching fire with fire. Forget about uh, D. There'll be no back end. Play. Oh, you still need to you still need to win more rounds than Toronto. <laughs> so. You still need to play other teams. I mean, yeah. What will Toronto do at the deadline? I'm really curious about that. What can they do at the deadline? They don't don't have anything. They don't have any cap space. They'd have to. They'd have to move somebody. You know, with a decent. They'd have to move a Nylander or even a Kapanen or Arianson. They're not gonna. I don't think they're doing that. And and Tampa too. They did nothing last year and paid for it. But it was a different scenario in terms of the drive down the. But would they make a little tweak just to? Light the fire. I, I they mean, seem to always be looking for defense help, right? So I think I think their forwards are set. set on D. I've set everywhere. Team so, is loaded. Yeah, I mean, they, maybe they're 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 just banking on their motivation and the fact that the embarrassment of last year. I mean, let's face it, Cooper has survived to this point, and he mm-hmm. looks like he's going to make it through to the end. If the end is similar to last year, that team will be blown up, no doubt. And so that's their motivation right there. All right, let's get to Colby Cohen, this week's guest, now an analyst with. NBC Sports Philadelphia, but he's got some Boston in his blood. Well, I spent some time here anyway. Here's what he had to say. All right, special guest this week, uh, Matt. He's got a cup ring from the 2011 run. I think he, uh, Colby, correct me if I'm wrong, you were left off the the engraving. Is That's what Wikipedia says, but I don't know if I want to go by that. I was, yeah. I mean, there's there's kind of standard protocols with, uh, with that type of thing. I think you have to play in the final round of the playoff series, or you had to play like I don't know, 40 or 50 games during the regular season. So I was fortunate to uh, be around a great group of guys to get called up at the end of the year and, and you know, learn from some pretty phenomenal leaders and guys like Chara and Recky. And, you know, earlier in that season, I got to play with Adam Foote and Milan Hayduk. So I was I was a real fortunate rookie to, to be around some legends of the game. You were part of it too. It was one of the, the black aces there. Was, uh, I would say – you should tout yourself as a significant part of the cup run, right? <laughs> Pushing those. Yeah, guys. look, everyone has a role, and you know, some guys are out there in practice, kind of filling in when when you know a guy like Chara or Seidenberg needs a needs a rest day in the playoffs. You know, those guys play hard, and you know, some guys are out sort of 
taking warm-ups just in case. I mean, it's, uh, everybody plays a role, and you kind of just try to try to stay everybody, out of everybody's way and just make sure, God forbid, they call and you're ready to go. Right. So that would have been that would have been Bruce Cassidy running those sessions, right? Yeah. So some days we skated with Butch, and um, some days we would be out with the with the guys. I mean, I think a lot of the days we were out with with the team, sort of in the second half, if I remember it correctly, sort of the second half of the playoff run. Um, and then the other days we would, yeah, we would skate with with Bruce and um, you know Jarvie and it sort of Huda, depending on who. Mm. But I, I got this one spend plenty of time with Butch over the course of those three or four seasons, whatever right. it was. There. So, um, you know, we, <laughs> we spent plenty of time together. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I don't know at that time how much you had known about where Bruce had come from. I mean, clearly there was, it was kind of a big story when, you know, he was in Washington and, and, and got fired as quickly as he did and Yager and whatever else was going on there. And this, to see this guy kind of trying to rebuild his career and, you know, change his style, adjust to the to the modern game, the modern player. I mean, what was that kind of like to see him? You know, maybe build up build up his his coaching resume again. Yeah, it was actually you know when I reflect on it, thinking about you know he was the the assistant coach my first year in in Providence, so he was running the defense, and you could tell that he was a smart hockey mind. I mean, uh, he's definitely one of the most intelligent hockey people I know when it comes to X's and O's and systems and, you know, uh, like how do you get into the zone offensively or how do you defend? Like he knows that kind of thing as well as anybody I've ever been around. I mean, he is, he's a hockey nerd and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, he really has a good grasp on the game. And I think, you know, for him, I just think sort of, reinventing himself and the way he was dealing with players. I mean, obviously, um, you know, things didn't shake out there well with Yager and, and some of those guys there in, in Washington. So I think, you know, he, he must have sort of taken a new approach. And, and even from my first year to my third year uh, as an assistant to the head coach, like there was, you know, he was developing and, and working on the way he dealt with guys and, you know, are, you know, working on sort of merging the big team in Boston with the younger team and making sure everybody was playing the same style. You know, I know that that sort of came in from the top, but I think he did a really nice job of making sure that at the, at the American level, we were all, um, you know, following by it. And, you know, I, I think uh, the, the thing that's really impressed me the most is the way he's been able to sort of manage the players. I think, mm-hmm. you know, in my experience, the best coaches I had, really knew how to run the locker room and manage the players. I mean, I, I played for Jack Parker, obviously, at a college level, but, you know, that was a team full of, full of I think, 10 or 11 guys who went on to play in the NHL and, and some really substantial careers. Um, and, and Jack and, and David Quinn and, and Mike Davis, they, they just knew how to manage the group. And not every player is created equally and treated equally and, and – uh, that's just, um, you know, that's the way life goes. It doesn't matter if it's fair or not. And, and those guys were great at it. And I think Butch has really figured out how to do that as well. Yes. So along those lines, I mean, sometimes um, we see the Bruins have, you know, some really bad periods, bad starts kind of get to them. We've seen a lot lately, including, you know, in Philadelphia, obviously late leads get away from them. 
Um, and I sometimes attribute that a little bit that to Bruce's style, just because maybe he's leaving it a little too much to the players. But do you? So do you think though, in, in this modern game, he kind of has to be that way, and maybe there's not, or maybe maybe I'm completely off base, and maybe it doesn't really have to do with that, where they have these these lapses, or the or the, especially the, the the late game struggles that they've had. Yeah, I mean, look, when you've got Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron uh, as your anchors, and David Krejci, um, you know, it's and Tuka Rask, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but right. you really have to rely on your players to um, be a good pro. I mean, that was something, a phrase that I learned from Bruce, mm-hmm. be a good pro, and that means a lot of different things. So I don't necessarily think it's his style to the babysit a team. I think um, he has to trust his captains, and I think his captains have to trust him. And, again, we're not talking about, uh, the Colorado Avalanche who have a bunch of young leaders. Right. You know, uh, we're talking about Chara and we're talking about uh, Krejci and Bergie and, and Marshy for that matter. I mean, these are guys that are, you know, they bring it and they, they understand what they need to do to be ready. So I, you know, I think sometimes good coaches sort of have to lay off and, and you, you know, I listened to John Calipari one time on ESPN radio say, I can make my team like 20% better or 60% worse. And I always thought that was an interesting comment. Sure. And, and it's always kind of stuck with me. So, I, you know, I think, I think Bruce takes a little bit of that mentality. I don't want to speak for yeah, him, right. but nope. at least he did back when I played. Yeah. Talking to Colby Cohen, and he's now with NBC Sports Philadelphia and saw, of course, uh, up close and personal that uh, Bruins-Flyers game last week. So your impressions of the 2020 Bruins and off one just one game, I know, you know, you won't. Maybe you wanted to see a larger body of work, but uh, what's your assessment of this group, Colby? Yeah, I mean, I still think they're a really good team. I, I, I think they have a lot of really good players. I think they've got some of the best leaders in hockey. You know, I think they're going to try some things out here over the next week or two with some of these younger players that uh, Bruce mentioned in his press conference the other day. They obviously just had to make a tough decision with David Backus. Right. And, I, I, otherwise, I think they're going to look to add at the deadline. I mean, I think this team has a, a window left where there's still a championship-caliber core. They've got a goaltender who on any given night is the best goaltender on the planet. And I think they'll probably look to make an addition or two, which I know is hard. Every team wants to add. I mean, I'm here in Philly. They want to add as well. For sure. um, so, you know, I think the one little bit, and I don't think this is a secret to you guys, I think they could use a little more depth up front. I, I think they've got depth on the back end. I think Tory Krug is one of the most fierce competitors in the NHL on top of how skilled he is. Uh, I physically got to watch him come into professional sports, played with them as a rookie a little bit. I mean, he is a fierce competitor. I'm not sure people quite realize uh, how hard he can be. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think the Bruins are a good team. I think you know, they got a big win, obviously, against Vegas. You know, going into the for the break, I think that that was really big for them just to feel good for a little bit of time. But, you know, I, I think they'll they'll look at their options. I think Don Sweeney's a smart, patient man. I don't think he's going to do anything to mortgage the future. But, look, the reality is, is Zdeno's not getting younger. Um, you know, Fergie's getting up there. Krejci is getting up there. I mean, these guys have been in the league a long time, and, and you know, your window is, is there, but it's not five years. 
Yeah, you know, I agree about the the Vegas game was huge because they really needed to go and kind of turn the the narrative of what's going on with this team. I mean, after the Pittsburgh loss in Pittsburgh, the way the social media reaction to that game was unbelievable, and and I think one of the most shocking and disgu- maybe even I would describe it as disgusting responses to that game was people saying that Charlie McAvoy needs to go, which is just right. mind blowing. And I think you know you obviously would have a much better take and feel for what Charlie McAvoy is going through and what he can be and, and his potential and just, you know, how would you describe to people, you know, t- 22-year-old Charlie McAvoy clearly is on the right track even if he's having, you know, a bad game or getting stripped by Evgeny Malkin in, in, a, in a game like that, like as if no one's ever had that happen to them before, you know? Yeah, you don't play in the NHL for a long time without ending up on the wrong side of highlight reels when you're a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And forwards make plays like that all the time. It just goes unnoticed because you've got a goaltender, you've got defensive. So, you know, defense are always on the forefront. It's easy to point fingers. I mean, I remember when Drew Doughty went through some of these struggles early sure. in his career. And when I look at Charlie, I think Drew Doughty. Right. I mean, there's, there's almost this level of confidence that blends in with a little bit of arrogance on the ice, which is what makes a guy like him so special. I mean, yeah, he's going through a rut. You know, maybe his confidence is a little bit shaken. He's a hometown kid. It's tough when you're a hometown kid and you've got, you know, the Boston Globe or whomever uh, saying you should be traded. It's time (laughs) to move on from this game. I mean, that's a franchise defenseman. Um, I I think he's so good. Obviously, um, there's still some other good players around him, so maybe he doesn't even get talked about as much. But, right. you know, players go through ups and downs where their confidence gets shook a little bit. But, I, I mean, he's, his, his ability to play with the puck and the way he gets out of the zone with ease, the way I mean, he's two steps ahead of everybody else on the ice when he's playing well. And I don't necessarily mean with his feet, guys. Right. I'm talking about with his brain. Yeah. I mean, he sees the game at a different level than other players. And then his skill set goes with it. I mean, he's, he's as good as it gets, regardless of his little bit of his, his downturn right now or his slump that he may be in yeah. or you know, lacking a little confidence. But, I mean, this is a kid that's going to be a really good player in this league, an all-star. One day he'll be talking about him for the Norris Trophy, I mean, without a doubt. There is, you brought up his, his mind and, and, and his mental part of the game. and just There are some instances where – his decision making does come into question, regardless of who he's playing. And now, obviously, he's playing against you know top lines every night. But does that does that just get better with experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that as you as you get older, you you get a little bit smarter. I mean, he is twenty two. Right. He came out of he came out of BU, and he was what like nineteen years right. old, right? Yep. So it seems like he's been in the league for a while, but he really hasn't. I mean, he's he's still. Um, in my opinion, figuring it out a little bit, and you see moments of brilliance, and then you see some moments where he makes a young mistake, and, and he's still a young player. So, look, I think some of that stuff is probably uh, fixable by looking at some film and, and some situational, you know, recognizing some certain situations. But let me just tell you this, guys: you part of what makes him really good is it's a little bit erratic. Mm-hmm. And, you, you you start thinking a little bit too much. You know, for him, it's just so instinctual that you got to be really careful that you, you don't handcuff that. And and Bruce was an offensively gifted defenseman, high draft pick, and he had some injuries, which is why he didn't play a long time. But he understands that of all people that like 
it's really delicate. And, and Kevin Dean was a defenseman a long time. He understands the position well. I mean, so, you know, I, I think as Aaron Rodgers says, people need to relax because Charlie <laughs> McAvoy will be just fine. Well, last one from me, Colby. Uh, you played with Kevin Shattenkirk quite a bit um, at BU. Have you talked to him in the last year or so? What do you think the Lightning's mentality is as they come down the stretch here? They've closed the gap quite a bit, and, of course, coming off that terrible uh, first-round exit last year. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny you bring him up because when you when you ask me about Charlie and, and maybe he's lacking a little bit of confidence, I mean, you know, Kevin and I, I was in his wedding, and we're still very close. You know, we spent a lot of time together, and, and he was in New York as a hometown guy, and the, the paper was calling for his head. I mean, that wears <laughs> on a guy, and, and that takes your confidence away, and as much as it's devastating to be bought out, it's the best thing that ever could have happened to his career. I mean, it just prolonged his career five more years because now he plays in Tampa, which is one of the most fun brands of hockey I've ever seen. I mean, they move the puck five on five sometimes like they're on a power play. And, you know, I know that they feel really good about their game. They actually felt pretty good about it even when they were out of the playoff picture. Like, they could feel it coming. You know, I've seen a couple of the games. I've worked a few um, you know, and talking to Shaddy and, 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 you know, there's a handful of other guys that are kind of my years that I, that I know and, and keep in touch with. And they think they're the best team. I mean, they are primed. They're ready to play. They're playing very well. And if you watch them, I mean, everyone right now is pulling in the same direction. You've got a bunch of guys at the top of their game. You know, you look at their defensive pairs. I mean, you've got Edmund, who, you know, I had never watched as closely until this year. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a, a guy who can dominate more from the backside when he's on. It's incredible. And then you've got the McDonough pair with Cernak, which is more of your shutdown pair, and then Shattenkirk and Sergachev, who are both having career years offensively and defensively. So, you know, they play a great style. I think they're going to be tough uh, in the playoffs. Um, I, I think that they're, they're thinking that their game is where they want it to be. And if you told me, you know, if, if I had to pick a team to win it all, it's one of those four teams that we, you know, it's, it's them, it's Boston, it's Washington, or it's Pittsburgh. I mean, those, those four teams right now, to me, look like four of the best teams in the NHL. And, you know, whoever is healthy and, and kind of going here down the stretch, I think is, is going to make the big push. Well, we appreciate you coming on for uh, some insight. How'd you end up in Philly, by the way? What's, how long is that at the parole for? So I'm oh, geez. <laughs> um, I'm from Villanova. So oh, well, when I stopped go. playing, I came back to Philly, um, you know, just sort of regroup and figure out what was next. And then the TV stuff, I mean, I, you know, I do the Flyers pre post and intermissions. I do some Westwood one. I've actually been lucky. I did the Bruins winter classic game last year for Westwood one. I did, uh, I did the Bruins game seven against Toronto two years in a row for Westwood one. So I've, I've actually got to do a bunch of games on the radio with you guys, which, you know, there's always a little bit of a special feeling being back in the garden. And, you know, I know all the players and I obviously know Butch and Dino and, you know, I know Pan, you know, Jay Pandolfo from, from training together for years at Boyles and Joe Sacco is my coach. So it's, there's a lot of degrees of separation. So it's always fun to, to do the games with you guys and, 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 you know, hopefully I'll see you guys in the playoffs this year. We can get rid of Raycroft if you're if you're interested. Nesson's got a, no. an opening coming. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Come on, we love Razor. We love we love Razor. Come on, Beautiful. you need the goalie's perspective sometimes. Those guys, they 
they spent years watching. That's right. From, from the best seat in the house. That's right. So, so I, I'm, I'm sure Razor will be Billy. Billy will coach him up. That's right. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, Colby. Thanks a lot, Colby. All right, guys. All right. See you later. See you. All right, there he is, Colby Cohen, who's got back of voice back, as you do. Yeah, I mean, everyone should. Anyone, any right-thinking person does. I mean, you you see the flashes here, and, and let's face it, this is the way, you know, spoiled for 15 years of Zdeno Chara, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's he, he used to put up points. Now he's not so much anymore, but still a shutdown D, always did it all together. I was looking back when he played that 1,000th game. I was going through old game sheets. It's amazing to think he used to play 30 minutes a night. It's just crazy to think that this guy at that size, at the style he played, and he was playing 30 minutes a night. It's crazy. But Troy Mackle, it's not going to be a one-for-one. This guy, it's not going to be, you know, Chara gets replaced by McAvoy. It's going to be McAvoy picks up the offensive side with some defense. It's going to be Carlo is the shutdown guy who maybe at some point, I guess we can all wish upon a star that Carlo will actually add some offense at some point. He's been a little better this year, a little more aggressive. You know, it's going to be different guys filling in. It might be Vakanine and taking care of the puck-moving aspect of it. It's going to be a different-looking defense core, and McAvoy and Carlo will be the cornerstones of that With depending on how things go. I mean, we don't know what will happen with Krug or Grizzlick or either of those guys or, you know, whether they're both here or one's gone. You don't know what it's going to look like, and maybe Lazon fits in there, maybe he doesn't. Now, interesting to me, you not only defend McAvoy on this podcast, but – a recent story after they blew the lead, you blamed Don Sweeney more than Cassidy sure. for the blowing of the leads, and I find out you've wined and dined with Bruce <laughs> recently over at a game, like a pregame skate, so you've been bought. You're obviously in the bag. You're in, 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 well, it's in not like you paid pocket. for dinner. <laughs> I still bought my own meal. Uh, but uh, no, I but mean, anyway, let's, let's face it. I mean, What did you mean by that? Well, because I see some tweets from, actually from even from people that I, some of the tweeters that we actually respect, you know, mm-hmm. to say... That because Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviolette are out there, we should fire, fire Bruce Cassidy. Cassidy. It's like, what a, kind of an overreaction would that be? I mean, Bruce Cassidy, for all his faults, and we've, we've listed them Last here. Last week we ripped them. We, we talk about the, the, the reactionary coaching, the lineup decisions, the, 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 the kind of he juggles lines but refuses to break up the perfection line. You know, these different. But he, he's pushing the buttons he can push with this team. We've seen him bench his favorite, his three favorite players. Not his words, mine. The, I, I, his three sons, so to speak, Corrali, Heinen, Grizzly. These are the players that, in my mind, he loves. Always has praise for them, but Grizzly got a scratch. Heinen got a scratch. Corrali basically got scratched in his hometown, Columbus. Played like less than 10 minutes, didn't kill penalties that night. The coach is trying to find motivation. Now we see John Moore goes out of the lineup. He's working with... He's working with the groceries, as Parcells would say. But the, the you know, right now Donnie Sweeney, he he hasn't you know he's shopping at uh, Market Basket instead of Whole Foods. No, and uh, this what? is really a terrible metaphor, but it makes the point. If you eat a meal with Sweeney next week, then the week after you'll be praising him and ripping Cassidy. So you blow. I, I wouldn't want. I don't think I'd want to eat a meal with Sweeney. I think he's probably very nutritious. <laughs> he probably eats like uh, very measured kale slow. and stuff. It takes like two hours. He's like to in eat super dinner. shape. He's like Robo GM. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, seriously, that guy runs like. Uh, you know, Iron Man's and stuff. So have some guts and just post. Cassidy should be fired. <laughs> get some clicks. Well, you? I'll do that when a scout t- t- texts me to say that they should fire him. All right, we're getting uh, muscled out by the OMF program. Ryan Garvin has had enough, so he's, he's they're getting ready for their show. Fine, we'll wrap it up. Uh, see you next week with Pete Blackburn and uh, two weeks games rekindled. Yep, peace. peace.